the right, Bennett to tight end left. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it up to the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Hey, what's up, fellow Patriots fans? Steve Thompson alongside Chris Blackie. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Pats Blitz presented by SB Nation. Got another special guest joining us tonight from Barstool, Jerry Thornton. How's it going, man? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year, Steve. Happy New Year, Chris. appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to talk. Morning, Absolutely. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, we've been following you for a while. You know, you got a couple books. Oh, yeah, you. Officially now more, yeah. more books published than I've actually um, read in my life. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> believe in yourself. You can achieve your dreams. There you go. Who would have ever thought? So when you started out as a blogger, did you ever think of yourself, you know, you'd become as big as you are? Or what were your dreams and goals when you started? You know what? I... God, the, the the story goes back so far that like it was pre Barstool. I was you know doing stand up and I've been doing it for a long time and and worked a lot of sports into my um, stand up into my monologue or whatever. And one day, just completely out of the blue, get a phone call from a guy identifying himself as from HBO and he's a producer and they're doing a documentary about the Red Sox and their fans. And he got my name from another comic. And I was on the phone with this guy for like an hour and 45 minutes. Just, okay, how much about the Red Sox do you remember? Where were you when this year happened? What was 86 like for you? All this crap. And they we did an interview, and it made it onto it. And that documentary was called Curse of the Bambino. And it ends up winning a, 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 uh, an Emmy for Best Sports Documentary. And my local paper asked me to, you know, uh, do an interview with him. Yeah, sure, whatever. Just, you know, the town paper that... Nobody reads except to find out what, like, the school bus schedule is or the obituaries or whatever. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like a year later, the Sox lose the Grady Little game, the worst loss of all time. It didn't even make the documentary because the, the, the show itself predated the, the 2003 Red Sox. And I just stayed up through the night, like, writing this, like, 2,000-word thing and just sent it to the paper and said, look, this is how I'm feeling. This is my emotional state. I don't care what you do with it. Delete it. I don't care. It just is just a cathartic thing. And they said, oh, we like it. You want to you want to write for us? Yeah, sure. No, there was nothing to it. You know, just writing a little calm. Um, but but it kind of gave me the bug. Like, I like this. I, I, I haven't, like, been writing, but this is a good way to express myself. And somewhere in that process, I stumbled upon a little newspaper in the city that you could get out of the free newspaper boxes, a thing called Barstool Sports that was looking for writers. And so I sent them a sample, and the guy who runs the site was a, uh, not even a website, the paper, a guy named Dave Portnoy got back to me and said, uh, you're in. Uh, it doesn't pay anything. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just looking yeah. for an, a creative outlet. And um, it was really gratifying to do that. And, I finally got my hands on the paper and the other writers, it was Dave, it was me, it was uh, Jamie Chisholm, and it was Pete Manzo. It was four guys. 
writing every two weeks for, again, this paper that you just get out of a box or was stacked up on the um, shelf inside of, like, certain bars in Boston. And I read their stuff, and I said, oh, my God, these guys are so good. Like, uh, I, I want to do this. I want to be part of this. Like, this is great. And this whole community formed. And, you know, I stuck with it for for no money just because I said, I don't know, this might turn into something. And then we turned to a daily blog, and some of the other guys just couldn't physically pull it off with their day jobs and responsibilities. And I got into just tons of trouble at my job because I was bringing a laptop to work and writing columns on my lunch break or when we, you know, we weren't doing anything and um, they hated me for it, but I, I felt like this is my path. And, and, but what I just kept telling myself is one, it's, it's fun to have this creative output and to, you know, connect with people who read it. But two, I said, maybe it'll turn into something someday. And Mm -hmm. Holy crap, did it turn into something. Yeah, it did. Shoot, it's everywhere yeah. now. I mean, they got so many shows, so many writers, and Dave's doing his pizza reviews on the daily. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, I love pizza. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 you know, in a way, like, I'm, I'm just trying to contribute every day and, and do good content. But once in a while, you know, I'll take a step back and just say, look at what would become like what's the the relevance of this and adding layers and and getting a serious xm uh channel and having some of the biggest podcasts in the world and you know i I had an experience a bunch of years ago i was doing little side projects with weei and um i went to an event for them to, to write about it and one football writer introduced me to another football writer and pointed at me and said this is the most widely read Patriots writer in this market. And I was like, what? What? Mm. I, I, I can't tell you how far back I got going. Like this is, now that I think of it, it was, it was, the, they had a, a nice carving of the Stanley Cup for the Bruins. So we're probably talking 2011. And I was like, I am? Like what the actual F is mm-hmm. that all about? But, you know, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it, when you're just doing it every day and you're just trying to say, I just want to, make people laugh sometimes you lose track of just how how big it's gotten but um you know i think we owe a lot to you know the the fans obviously of of, of barstool but also the mainstream media in boston and just what a god-awful terrible job they've done of speaking to their audience you know we came along as just fans and we like these teams and we root for them. We want to see them win. We're happy when they when good things happen. We're we're bummed out when they lose. And that was the opposite of what it seemed like the local press was doing. And I think we connected with people who think the way we do. You know, the people who are at the games, the people who are in the bars, you know, watching playoff games or whatever in a way that the old school, the Globe, the Herald, the local, you know, the, the radio stations just weren't doing. And we owe a lot to those dopes that, you know, made their bones back when Boston sports sucked. And we were the guys going, eh, it's kind of pretty good right now. And, and I, I think we developed an audience just from being honest and saying we we care about the same things you guys do. And, and God bless those dinosaurs 
who for, for getting it all wrong over the last, what are we up to now, 19 years. Right. Yeah, they've well, always been kind of like searching for a controversy. Oh, God, yeah. yeah it, you know, yeah. I think it used to be, it, it was like this upside-down pyramid with the local press at the top and the, the teams at the bottom. And that was fine, you know, when you're talking, you know, 15 years of utility between the 86 Celtics and the 2001 Patriots. You know, when, when this town had a rally for the 86 Red Sox that lost the series, you know, that was a bad time. When, when they had another rally for Ray Bork winning the Stanley Cup in Colorado, like that was a that was a that's when we cratered. That was a terrible moment. Then you have the the Rick Pitino years and you know the the Pete Carroll era or whatever. And okay, so the the press saw themselves as like the the ones who did determine what was right and what was wrong, and they created you know they were the tastemakers in town. Well, you know when things started getting good and and we were writing about, geez, I really like this these guys and. Pedro, yeah, he's got an ego, but he's a great pitcher. He's one of the best we've ever seen. And then you pick up, like, the Globe, and you just read that he sucks, and he's this coach-killing diva, and he's terrible, and they got to trade him. And, and I think fans are going, I, I agree with these Barstool guys. Like, I, they, they reflect the way I feel. And, that, and, guys, that's been the most gratifying thing during this whole rise is when people reach out to you and say, what you wrote is exactly what I've been thinking. You know, I'm only writing for me, but if people say, yeah, you, you, you're expressing it the way we look at things, then that's uh, that's a very, very satisfying thing to, to hear from, you know, in terms of feedback from your audience. And that's how we've built it this entire time. Yeah, I think yeah, I mean, the narratives are so different from, like, the Globe compared to you guys. You guys pretty much... You know, you you guys write how you feel with the Globe, Herald, all of them. They are to me, they come across as a toe in the company line, more or less. And you guys are kind of the voice of the fans. That's how I've always viewed viewed all three of you guys. Like, well, thank, thank you for getting that because I think anyone who sits yeah. down to a keyboard or behind a microphone has an agenda. It's just mm-hmm. what is your agenda? Mine is right. I want to see the teams that I care about that I'm emotionally invested in win. When your agenda is I don't care if they win or lose, I just have access to grind because this guy gave me an interview, but that guy didn't. And this coach treats me like an idiot when I ask a question in this press conference. Okay, then what, why do we as the reader care? You know, like – I was thinking of this example today, and I don't even know why. It was just in random context because my brain doesn't operate properly. But the the hatred from the media towards Nomar Garcia Parra. Like, I'm a guy who saw him and said, he plays his ass off. He appreciates the fans. He doesn't have much use for the reporters, but why do I care about that? Well, they hated him. They hated him with the white-hot intensity of a thousand pizza ovens. He was winning batting yeah. titles and fielding like a son of a bitch and, and working hard and doing all the things you want him to do. And they despised him. And I think that was part of like that big schism. It, but there's nobody that's a greater example of it than Belichick. Like, they don't get that his press conferences are a great theater. 
when, when he turns around and like, you know, chokes somebody with the with the dark side of the force, it's fucking it's fantastic. Like I, I sit there and I laugh and I cheer it on, and and the reporters who hate him want us to hate him for the same reasons. Like, yeah, no, no, because again, we his predecessor was Pete Carroll. They went from both <laughs> to eight and eight in three years. He was nice to everybody. It didn't work out. I would rather hate to have someone who treats you all like fried garbage but wins. And that's why I know I've said it, and probably all your listeners feel the same way. I would take a bullet for that man. I would mm-hmm. jump in front of him in slow motion like Kevin Costner in the body. i like, no! But it hit me. <laughs> and then I would carry him out to... I will always love you by winning yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, winning, winning matters. Well, you know, it's like if you, you know, obviously Bill wouldn't be able to do it if they were three and 12, you know, three and 13 or four and 12, but he wins. I mean, right. yeah, I'm sure he's not going to go to like one of our Christmas parties, but anything like that. But, and everyone, like all the players and stuff, you know, they they all talk very highly of him. Like, who cares? Like you said, if he hates the media. Oh gosh, and they're, and they're dying for somebody, mm-hmm. some player, to say, idiot. I could scan him. Uh, didn't give me the contract I wanted. If you look back on the entire, like, you know, history of this team, who fits that category? I'm, I'm thinking of what. What's his name? Who went to uh, San Francisco because they cut him, and he said the Patriots don't have any fun, and now I'm having fun. Oh, the I'm just I'm blanking like, his name. Was it Cassius Marsh? That guy? Yes, yes, Cassius Marsh. Yeah. Might be the only guy who said it. Like Logan Mankins has nothing but glowing things to say about him. Like you know, yeah. But, uh, Ty Law, anyone he's had problems with in the past, or seemingly did, says I, I owe this guy. So much, and the fans are the same way. Like, yeah, hello, we just want to see wins. And I, I'm a fan who writes. I'm not a writer who pretends to be a fan. So yeah, I, I want him to. I don't care if he's not nice to people. I, I want results. And by the way, he's been super nice to me. Maybe because there of that. Um, yeah. But you know, reporters want some other damn thing. Like media guys want. Some other thing. There's some other priority there. Well, you know, I had a guy. God, I'm, I'm going back to probably 2014, like a regular Patriots beat reporter, and he said, uh, "I envy you because you still care. You care about wins and losses. This is still fun for you. Um, me, I just want a good story." And I thought mm. to myself, "I've had some jobs I didn't care about. Trust me. Like I'm, I'm the." patron saint of half-assing it at, on at your career. <laughs> but if I felt that way about this, I would want to swallow a bullet. Mm-hmm. If I get to the point where I didn't care about whether they win or lose, I just wanted a good story. Like when they went to, say, Denver in 2015 and lost because they couldn't convert mm. a, you know, a, a two-pointer at the end of regulation, if I didn't care about that, I just said, that's a good story. Game was great. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I, I, I want you guys to promise right now 
you'll come over to my house and smother me with a pillow and put me out of my misery painlessly. Because I, I care that that that, yeah. that 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 loss still bothers me to this day. You know, a, a Super Bowl win later, because I I I care, and that's I think what what drives what I do, what you guys do, what um you know the other guys at Barstool who love the Patriots do, and I wouldn't have it any other freaking way. Yeah, there's always loss that just irritate the hell out of me. Like I'm still annoyed about that loss of the Colts when they were mm. winning big and they just fell apart. I'll never forgive Rasheed Caldwell, ever. Yeah. Oh, six, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and that one, that, that's one of the biggies. The next day, I remember this vividly. I got up and I was trying to process this game. And if you remember how injured they were, it, it, it was less injury than it was like a flu bug bug ran through the team after they yeah. flew all the way out to San Diego and so on. Well, their leading tackler in the game and their middle linebacker was Eric Alexander. Feel free to not remember who Eric Alexander is, but he played basically every down. He led them in tackles. He was on – was a Dallas Clark caught a huge, like, just game-crushing, you know, ceiling uh, uh, pass up the sidelines with Eric Alexander in coverage. So I Googled Eric Alexander to find out, like, you know, how much does he resonate with people? The number one hit was a, a jazz saxophonist named Eric Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> like, smooth jazz. That was the thing. And so I'm going, okay, we didn't have Brewski. We didn't have, uh, you know, Junior Sale. Like, name anybody. They, they had none of their starters were, were in that game. And sometimes you just don't have the horses, but they had a big lead on friggin' Peyton Manning. And that was mm-hmm. that was one of those terrible moments where Manning at that point was like Alex Rodriguez was to us, like that guy who's a superstar who wins all the regular season MVPs and sets all yeah. the records but can't get it done in the playoffs. And yeah. that one let him go through. And they ended up playing, the, the Colts ended up playing Maybe the worst Super Bowl team of our lifetimes, the 2006 yeah. Bears. Mm-hmm. Like that thing was all set up. And one thing about the Pats in the Super Bowl era, they haven't had a single cupcake opponent. You know, mm-hmm. there there has yet to be, you know, the uh, just a, a a walkover Cinderella team that just happened to make it that far and. Yeah, 2006 will always bother me. But you know what? When you look through 2007, can anything ever compare to that? Yeah, no, no. I, I as as much as the um, losing to the Eagles last year bothered me, I remember thinking, does this even crack our top five in this era? <laughs> no, I don't think it does. Well, the yeah, oh seven pissed yeah. me off about last year's Super Bowl was the stats that Brady had in the losing effort. And that's not going to irritate me for, for life. Mm-hmm. You don't and, go over 500 yards and lose. That, that's just crazy. Yeah. It happened. Fair enough. And yet, you know what? It, so many football games, guys, such a cliche, but um, they come down to a handful of plays. And the Eagles yep. went for it on fourth and goal which was a terrible decision. They had no business making. And they ran the Philly special and executed to perfection. Uh, well, 
I mean, if I were a loser, I would point out that that was an illegal formation. They weren't lined up properly, and it should have been a flag. But I'm not saying that. Wouldn't say that. Other teams say that. But no, no, just saying that. Other people have said it. Um, but their quarterback caught the pass and scored. And our quarterback didn't catch a pass. And sometimes that's all it comes down to. And, you know, as, as I was writing, and I mean, let me just – hand-handedly shove in my uh, two books I've, I've written, but as I was writing my brains, you know, going through them all, I realized that, okay, they've been to eight Super Bowls in this era. They're five and three. Every one of those games has been balanced on a razor's edge. Whereas how many Super Bowls in our lifetimes have been like blowouts, like you didn't even care about? You know, it's, it's the third quarter and Dallas is already up five touchdowns on <laughs> Buffalo, and everyone's just talking about, so So, what did you put in this dip? Because it's really, really good. And, you know, <laughs> and, and your party guests are all talking during the game, but then they're shushing each other for the commercial. Like, oh, quiet, quiet. The Dalmatians are making friends with the Clydesdale or whatever. Well, right. you haven't had a single Super Bowl out of eight that has been even a remotely a blowout. So a couple of plays here and there, and they could be 8-0, they could be 7-1, and or they could just as easily be 1-7, and or, God forbid, 0-8. You know, the, the fact that they've got five, I mean, you know, just the, the Super Bowl against Seattle, uh, you know, miracle catch at the same end of the same stadium where the Giants had the miracle catch against them, and, you know, Jermaine Curse makes that catch and gets knocked out of bounds by a undrafted rookie cornerback who kept his wits about him while my brother turned to him and said, God hates us. When you're down 28-3 to three in a Super Bowl and still come back and win, you say, all right, you know, you don't win them all, but you have to accept the miracles that are given to you. And, and yeah. Five and three, it could be better. It could be a hell of a lot worse. And if you're one of those, if if we ever become those people obsessed about a loss here or there, then we're just not appreciating the the gifts that we've been given. Absolutely. Yeah, I know people will say you know that uh, Pete Carroll is stupid for throwing it, but earlier in that game, they had like a second one or third one and gave it to Lynch, and he lost three yards. So. Bill remembered that, and he pretty much knew that they were going to throw it, I think. Yeah, and Butler and made the play. That, yeah, yeah and, and credit Belichick for just keeping his wits about him when, you know, Matt Patricia has talked about, like, going over to him going, do we, do we call timeout? Do we call timeout? <laughs> He's like, hold on, hold on. Like, and then, yeah. this is my second Star Wars reference. I'm not promising it's not going to be my last, but he just, <laughs> he just did a Jedi mind trick. <laughs> he said yeah. that this this is not the goal line defense they're looking for. This is not the goal line defense we're looking for. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where I I am convinced that they loaded up in a goal line package, and Carroll looked and said, "All right, let's spread it out, and they're going to have a linebacker out there." And he pulled uh, I think it was a team Hicks off the field and sent in Butler. Fun fact about that guy: when this previous season was over, the past coaching staff sat down and looked at, you know, did their analytics and their self-scouting and said, on goal line, we were bad this year. Like, they didn't make a single stop. I, 
I forget the numbers, but say they had like 20 first and goal from the one situations and they gave up like 18 touchdowns and, and two field goals, whatever it was. They said, we got to work on that. So they worked on this three cornerback spread defense that they didn't use the entire year until there was a half a minute to go in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's when they <laughs> used it. And, wow. that, and that's what, what won it for them. So they prepared for that exact play. You know, we've all seen the, well, not most people, but certainly your audience, 100% of them, is, all own the DVD copy of, uh, you know, Do Your Job, mm-hmm. where they worked on that exact play with Butler and with Brandon Browner and said, no, no, if this happens, you've got to jump that route. And they did, and that's, that's one of the great things about being a, a, a Pat fan is the times that they've pulled these things out. And as much as it sucks when they lose, uh, I try to appreciate the positive aspects of the miracles that they've freaking pulled off. Yeah, absolutely. In that game yeah. with Belichick, to me, it felt like he was just kind of looking over the field at Carroll, just kind of, like you said, a Jedi mind trick, <laughs> just kind of seeing what he was up to, almost like trying to read his mind. He was, he was like a statue on the sideline, waiting, yep. waiting, waiting, and they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it worked to perfection, naturally. Yep. The and, Super Bowl, and I don't had a time I think, the fact that he didn't use one. He said, oh, we got right. them. We got them. We're going to have them. We're going to out, outthink them. And, you know, the, that play you mentioned where they, they – tried the exact same thing, and Dante Hightower made a stop. That that was a factor. This one was uh, Pat Chung, a guy who I did not want the Pat to bring him back. I was so, like, disappointed by him his first go-around with the Patriots, and they brought him back for this and turned him into that big nickel hybrid safety linebacker, you know, robber rat position that they tried to develop forever. I think ultimately... Chung made the play on the stop on um, uh, Marshawn Lynch on the goal line on first down. I think he tripped him up and Hightower finished him off. And, you know, if, if he doesn't make that play, they don't win. Just like if David Tyree doesn't make that catch, the Giants don't win. If Mario Manningham doesn't make that catch, they don't win. If 2001, right. if Mike Vrabel doesn't put his hand on the ground and for the first time all game and screw up the blocking assignment and get up in uh, Kurt Warner's grill and force a pick six, Patriots don't win that one. So, yeah, it's just – it's our life with this team. Like, they're always going to be a play or two from winning a Super Bowl or losing in a championship game and having the whole country bathe in their blood. They just – they're so good they don't have the luxury of – easy losses. You know, they, they either win it all or it's football mageddon. And I, I've, I've just tried to learn to accept that. Yeah, one of the Super Bowls that I really enjoyed a lot that I don't think it talked about nearly enough is the one they won against the Panthers. I thought that was a great Super Bowl. This was bizarre. I mean, they had mm-hmm. two quarters where there was no, there were no points scored by either team and then the other two quarters, there were 100 million points scored. It was right. just, it was ridiculous. I, you know, and I came out of that game going, wow, the Panthers, they really found something here. Like, Jake DeLone is good. 
This mm-hmm. camp is not going anywhere. They're going to be good for a long time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I was right. And they just took them, whatever, 10 years to get back to one, and then Cam Newton returned to Earth. So, yeah, that, that game was <laughs> surreal, and I still can't figure it out. Um, the fact that, you know, I mentioned earlier all the blowout Super Bowls, no Super Bowl that ever ended on an offensive score as time expired. The Pats do it in 2001, and two years later, do it again. <laughs> just, yeah. we, we should have realized that this is never going to be um, easy. But, you know, they the, the, the Panthers, like, refused to go away. The Pats' defense suddenly went from one of the best in the league to just atrocious against us team. I didn't think it was really all that good, but um, you know, the John Cassay right, kicked one out of bounds with mm-hmm. like, like under a minute to go and bringing the, the, the Patriots are lining up for another game winning ticket at the end. Again, like nobody else can ever say that out of 52 Super Bowls and the Pats did it twice inside of two years. Incredible. Yeah. So how are you feeling about this year's team? Yeah, and this is all like my knee-jerk reaction to the, the Jets game. And really the last couple of weeks, fellas, we've gone through 12 months now, almost exactly 365 days of nonstop negative coverage of this team. You know, this bizarro fixation with how's it going to end? When's it going to end? Is it going to end? Is it bad blood? Is it is Brady disgruntled? Like, is the coach going to quit? I think he wants to go coach the Giants and on and on and on. It's been a nonstop coverage of this. And what did we get as a result? We've got Pat's going to buy week in the playoffs. <laughs> like, like, oh my God, like, they're, they're the worst Patriots team we can remember in recent, recent history. But they've got a week off in the playoffs. Kansas City is the new hotness. This is a team is an unstoppable force. Patrick Mahomes probably should be, you know, the MVP. Andy Reid has suddenly figured it out. We are one freakish, once-in-a-generation play at the end of the Miami game away from the Pats having the number one seed. Like, that's the difference between them and Kansas City. But Kansas City... Oh, they're they're an unstoppable force. The Patriots, oh, they're so in decline. They're so horrible. I I, I don't get it. I, I I get it from the rest of the country because there's that sort of uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for that you know confirmation bias. You know, there's just that that wishful thinking that are right, finally the end of the year. I'm hearing it from so many Patriots fans, and I'm like, I, are you really watching these games? Like, I get you. They they made so many unforced errors against Pittsburgh. All of them on offense, by the way. Just terrible mm-hmm. plays on offense. Eight pre-snap penalties. That's on them. They played like garbage. But is that indicative of this team isn't good anymore? No. It's just not. They lost to five teams. None of those five teams made the playoffs. They beat four playoff teams, which is the most in the league. They went eight zero at home. I'm just, I'm trying to see the forest for the trees here and saying this is still a very good team. They're relatively healthy. They're going to have a week off. They're one home win away from going to the AFC Championship game, 
and then we'll, we'll see what happens. So it's a long-winded way of saying I feel good about them, and I, I, I'm, I'm almost like a lone holdout because I'm one of the few people who is so optimistic about them, and I don't get why I am, why I'm shouting into the wilderness here saying they're still the team. Brady looks phenomenal. I, what do you guys think? Am I, am I completely nuts? Oh, hell no. Me and the team are like forever in the day arguing with people about the Patriots' defense. It's like night and every day someone's irritated me and him about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Patriots' defense, worse than Bill's generation. That kind of crap. It's nauseating. It really is. You know, have you tried this? Because I'm going to – this is going to be my thing for the next two weeks. When people say, oh, the defense isn't good, I'm going to say, tell me a defense in this league that's really good. Go ahead, spill it for yeah. me. I'm dying to know who you think. Who, who are the 85 Bears? Who are the 2,000 Ravens <laughs> of this yeah. year? Like they're basically legislated defense out of football. And, yes. and I, I have a point about like the big picture. That I think the Patriots may be seeing how the league is evolving. But but just for the for the here and now, like who's so good that you go, oh my gosh, wow, they're not gonna. Uh, can't beat that team. They're really, really good. Um, no, it, it, what we've seen is Stephon Gilmore is playing at as high a level of any Patriots cornerback I can remember in recent vintage. I, I, I don't want to bore your listeners by going all the way back to Mike Haynes, who's one of the greatest of all time, but that's the level at which Gilmore has played. And J.C. Jackson is a revelation. Yep. I mean, he was really right good too. in camp. Yeah, they bought him along slow, but you look at him over the last three or four weeks, he's been immense, getting like 100% of the snaps against the Jets. And, yeah, okay, it's the Jets, but the, the linebackers look really good. The, the defensive line was making stuff. Like, I, I look at that and I say, in the context of January of 2019, that is a potential mm-hmm. – Super Bowl championship caliber defense. Uh, and, and are we insane? Nah, I mean, I was talking about J.C. Jackson in preseason, and people are laughing at me. I'm really? Like, He's got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I don't care if it's preseason. He had a couple of interceptions, I think, the last preseason game. I'm like, wow, he has really good ball skills. Let's see what he does in the regular season. And, but, you know, whatever. He's yeah, showing it now. Yeah, I, I was doing reports from training camp and saying this guy yeah. looks good. I mean, who knows? You never know. If I yeah. ever saw Malcolm Butler in training camp, I don't recall it. Like he didn't do anything that stood out. But Jackson did. You say, wow, okay, look at look at this guy. Check him out. And yeah. the same thing. Like the, the preseason games, you watch him on TV, and you, you know you take all of that with an asterisk because who the hell knows? But they brought him along slowly. I don't know if you guys are pro football focused guys. Um, yeah. They've had him with his limited snaps throughout the year among the best cornerbacks in the league in terms of passer rating against. Well, about three, four weeks ago, they just said, let's, let's give this guy his shot. And he's absolutely earned it. And a hundred, hundred percent. I think they've found a, a gift there. So, you know the the proof is there. Even the Pittsburgh game that they lost, so they they you know the offense looked so terrible, the defense stood up, and then they 
did well against yeah. Buffalo and dominated the crap out of the Jets. And they played, yeah. they're coming off a game where they played their best four-quarter game of football all season long. And, yeah, it's the Jets. And, sure, the coach is about to get fired. And they, they kept the butts running and their bags packed and whatever. I just know the, the Pats looked good in all three phases. And they have a week off, two weeks off to prepare for whomever. So I, I think if you don't have some optimism about them right now, then you just need serious help. You're in, you're in a dark <laughs> place in your life. I don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe you should just be damned to be a uh, Cincinnati Bengals fan for eternity. I don't know, but I'm I'm just going to choose optimism going forward. I, I I'm done with being frustrated or worried about this team. I'm going to just keep hoping for the best. Yeah, I know you were yeah, saying like who's a really good defense? Like the Ravens have a decent defense, but their offense sucks. I mean, is anybody really worried about Lamar Jackson coming up to Gillette and winning in a couple of weeks? Right. Yeah. You know? Sam Darnold had a huge like a twenty one yard gain against the Pats early in the game and I said, Are they ever gonna lose a game by a running quarterback? You know, like uh, yeah, let's say Lamar Jackson comes in and and Harbaugh's plan is yeah, well, we're just gonna is gonna run quarterback keepers. They'll never yeah. be able to stop that. Oh, oh, please do, please. I'm begging you to. Yeah, like make that be your friggin' game plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I can't wait. Playoffs are awesome. I mean, like you, Chris, and I have been fans for a long time, so we remember all the. Crappy seasons, the hoping that the game is going to be competitive in the fourth quarter, that kind of stuff. Right. right. So we're very, you know, very grateful of what they're going through right now. And sometimes you just sit back and just kind of like revel in everything that they've done, and they're still going. Yeah, I I think people don't do that enough. Like I, I, when I was 22, my dream was to see them win a playoff game. Oh, one <laughs> yep. singular. And they did that year. That's when they I, they they went on the road in the Wildcat uh, the Wildcat game. They beat the uh, the Jets, and that was really great. And I said, okay, I can die happy. I have a son, twenty two years old, who's seen them go to eight Super Bowls. You know, this is their you know they're, they're a win away from going to the eighth straight AFC Championship game. Like they haven't failed to get a bye week in the playoffs since two thousand nine. Yeah. And you know when I get called a homer, I go, "Are you are you looking at the record?" And ask again. I'm not a homer yeah. for the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> yeah, we're awesome. You know, I'm not painting my face like silver and black and wearing shoulder pads with like spikes coming out of them. I'm looking at a team that has had an unprecedented run of excellence and saying, "This is excellent." And I'm, you know. So many other people, I feel like, are doing this weird, like, they're like the death cat in a nursing home, like curling up next to Brady saying, oh, he's about to die. Really? Because I just watched him throw for four touchdowns. You watched the Miami game a few weeks ago where they lost on the first play. He had 358 yards and three touchdowns and no interceptions. But people, oh, he's not good. He's not good. Yeah. 
You know, and then they put <laughs> the Buffalo stats and said, look, it, look, he only threw for 126 yards. Yes, where they came on saying they're going to pound the ball because they don't think Buffalo can stop it. And I, I, I remember too many times I said, wouldn't it be great for them to win a game where it's not just Brady carrying a terrible defense to a victory? Well, yeah. that's what I've gotten. They ran the ball and they defended and they won a game. And that's I'm happy with that. And then they come on a week later, they defended well, but Brady just lit up his opponent for a, for a ton of first downs and great passes and rolling out and throwing on a full sprint and hitting Philip Dorsett in the back of the end zone and so on and so forth. And I, I find myself constantly arguing against people who claim they're Patriots fans, but are looking at the same things you and I are, and they're seeing, like, this is the end of days. You know, mm-hmm. the dead will rise from the crypt. The rivers are running backwards. The wolf is swallowing the moon. And I'm going, no, this is a good team. They, mm-hmm. they have a bye week in the playoffs. They're healthy. They're poised to make a run and maybe go back to another Super Bowl. And I, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm, like, talking to myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm talking to a wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people like, I, you know, don't, don't want to recognize what they're seeing. They just have it in their head that, no, no, this is the end, and want to ignore anything that doesn't fit that narrative. And I, fellas, I just, I don't get it for the life of me. I, I don't get it. it. No. No, I mean, they listen to Felger and Maz. Is what yeah. I, the way I look at it. Oh, I mean, the defense has given up. Yeah. He sucks, and he fights, and he sucks, and then he goes off for like you know five games of hundred plus yards and goes nah, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. No, uh, no. You know, um, Kyle Van Noy, he's the worst. He's no boy. Okay, well he's making <laughs> game changing plays all these weeks. Ah, that doesn't matter. It, yeah, it, it's like a, a a weird doomsday cult. You know how like they'll say uh, we've read the Old Testament and done the math, and the world is going to end. Thursday morning at 9.15. And then 10 o'clock on Thursday, they're going, wow, we made some wrong calculations, but it's now going to end next month uh, on Tuesday. Like, okay, but what happened to Thursday? Like, uh, so many people have been predicting that this is the end for this team for so friggin' long. And if and when it ever happens, they're going to declare victory. Well, I'm not going to let him forget the no. 10 years and counting that they've been wrong. And right now, as we're standing here on January 1st, they're wrong. This is still a team that's poised to make a run. And they may or may not. They, they might lose the championship, a playoff game. They might lose the AFC championship. They might go to the Super Bowl and lose. But you cannot say this is they're done just because they went 11-5 and five in the regular season. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the defense—the defense has given up two touchdowns in eight quarters. You know how many te- defenses in the league would like pay for something like that? Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'll just play the uh, Felger and Mads game. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll play the uh, Dan mm-hmm. Johnson game. Ah, it's a tomato can division. Tomato can. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, everyone <laughs> loves the. Look at the Rams. I mean, everyone thought the Rams were going to be like this great defense this year, and 
They've given up a ton of points. Oh God, yes, they were the they were the hotness for most of the season. Um, you know, the, uh, we've mentioned what darlings the, uh, the the Chiefs are, and hey, you know, they yeah. they got the number one seed. They, they, those, those games count. Well, the Patriots put up like thirty eight points on them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, they beat the Bears. The Bears are a good defense. The Patriots beat them. Uh, it doesn't matter. So. And the most likely scenario is they play Houston. They play yeah, a great yeah. game against Houston. Well, uh, uh, the, the answer to that is, yeah, but, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson was just coming back. That's not the same team, mm. blah, blah, blah. They're much, much better. Okay, great, great. Let's let's do that. And I'm concerned. I respect every opponent in this yep. race except for – Baltimore, who not enough bad things can happen to them. Right. <laughs> you see it was hard. Did, but you, you see how they, they complained about the uh, kicking balls in in uh, L.A.? They, they oh, yeah. The yeah. 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 So, some of the kicking <laughs> balls, like, oh, come on. That's, that's like the Ravens. <laughs> that's not mm-hmm. a John Harbaugh, Ozzy Newsome thing to do. Since when? Oh, God. Yeah, it was hard the other day. Like, who would you rather in the playoffs, Baltimore or Pittsburgh? It's like, <laughs> well, Pittsburgh has no history of beating the Patriots in in the playoffs. Right. Baltimore has a slight history of beating them, but you know, it. it we really got to look at it more and say, who would you rather have um, see suffer? And mm-hmm. I hate. <laughs> John Harbaugh, like I hate soiling my pants. Uh, <laughs> I despise yeah. Twice now, the Ravens have lost to the Pats and responded by going to the league and getting them to change rules. Mm-hmm. The, first, the first was the trick formations, the you know the uh, ineligible receiver thing, which they themselves have pulled like a couple of times since they got that rule eliminated. The other one was from 2016. The Pats beat them on a, I think it was a Thursday night game or a Sunday night game. Was a, I remember it was prime time. Um, Shane McClellan jumped the center and blocked an extra point. Yeah. So they got it so you can't jump the center anymore. <laughs> how do you look yourself in the mirror after doing that? You know, I, I have a friend kick my ass in golf. I say, you know what, I guess he's got to golf better. And they're going, no, 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 no. 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 You can't uh, use that club here. Oh, we, we, expensive golf balls? No, no, no. We, we can't allow that. I just go, I got to do better. Not, not yeah. Ravens. And I, they can't lose enough to make me happy. So if it ends up being them coming to Gillette, fine. You know, run up, run up the score on them, make, make them suffer, <laughs> humiliate them. Yeah. Like, not enough bad things can happen. Yeah, I'm like you. I can't stand Harbaugh. You know, either Harbaugh. Like now, yeah. now they're talking about Jim yeah. coming back into the league. Oh, God, yeah, that's what we need. We know the egomaniac, like, flailing his arms on the sidelines and histrionics and screaming at the refs and making a colossal ass of himself. Like, good, good. Let, let him come back and fail again. And then yeah. go back to college and come back and fail again. It, it's just... It, they are the worst. Like the absolute worst Super Bowl to ever have to endure, without question, was the Harbaugh Bowl. 
Mm. Oh, that just sucked on toast. Oh, yeah, and then you had the power outage in, on top of it. Well, and as uh, Ray Lewis pointed out, that's because uh, the league didn't want to see the Ravens win. So they cut <laughs> the power on that, yeah. Yeah. Who, who ran back the uh, kick on that one for Baltimore? And and Ray Lewis said, that's because I went up to him and I, I put my hands on his chest. I put my hands on his chest. Said, You're going to do it for us. And they ran it back. Like, oh, my gosh. That's right. <laughs> that's Magical funny. healing powers. <laughs> like, take those down to the cancer ward right now, Ray. And just like get people to come up out of their hospital beds and like be healthy again. Friggin' fraud. Yeah, I hated that one. But as much as I despise Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs and everybody in that organization, the fact that one of those Harbaugh's was going to win was just more than I could I could take. I mm-hmm. hated that one so much, and always will. Yeah, it was Jacoby Jones that ran it back. Yeah. I was yeah. Jacoby. I put my hand on his chest. <laughs> And I, my arm wouldn't work. I hung it. I, I, I took a shoelace and I, I tied it up and I hung it from uh, the fire spigot. By the way, that's not me making up. That's exactly how he said it. I hung it from the fire spigot. <laughs> Whatever that was. And he walked off. Healed the hero. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, Mr. Uh, deer Antler sprayed that healed his arm. <laughs> it went right, right to the friggin' Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. The only saving grace is that he didn't immediately um, go over and kiss Papa John the way Peyton Manning did. <laughs> I know, huh? <sighs> so t- tell us about your book. You know, I got two young kids, so unfortunately I haven't had time to read it yet. Oh, I, I'll believe me, I've been there. I know when you're... When, when you get young kids, your reading is pretty much consists of uh, Good Night Moon and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, Cat in the Hat. I've been there. Um, <laughs> the first book, uh, From Darkness to Dynasty, was, uh, you know, a book that I, a, a literary agent in Manhattan reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in writing a book. And so I always thought about it and might be fun. And they said, do you have any ideas? Well, there's a book that I've always wanted to read, and nobody wrote it. So I said, "The hell with it. Let me write this one." And it's it is that it's it's the history of the Patriots, but not the. And then they did this, and then they did that, and mm-hmm. here are the stats or whatever. Like you know, none, none of these like you know illustrated histories of it was the bizarre, dysfunctional, terrible Patriots that both date me and the Patriots that I grew up on. Like I, I'm the youngest of five. So my brothers raised me to care about this team that was always threatening to leave, that you know, um, played in the worst stadium in the world, which, by the way, was their fifth stadium that they played in just in the first 10 years that they existed. And me walking into that place and looking around and saying, oh, my God, I've never been to a pro sporting event before, but this place is a dump. Like what? You know, the, you know the stands are half full, and there were trunks getting thrown out every five minutes. And and the time I was there, and it was late December, and the security was carrying a guy down the stairs, like physically carrying him. Like it, it, no part of his body was touching the, the stairs as they were hauling him down. 
and he's swearing at them, and, and guys, as my hand to God, he was dressed as Santa Claus. He's going, you son of a I'm like, what the fuck? It's St. Nicholas. Well, um, you know, the, the, the total dysfunctional stuff on the field, like when they, the, uh, you know, the snowplow game, which if you're young, oh, yeah. you don't know, they were, they were in a zero-zero tie on a sheet of ice against Don Shula's Dolphins. And not, none of the kickers could get footing because, again, it was like, it was like playing on the, the, the Bruins' ring. And they sent a snowplow, a John Deere tractor with a scrub brush on the front, out onto the field, which was not against the rules, technically speaking, and got a field goal out of it. And it turned out that the guy who drove the snowplow was on work release from Walpole Prison. And I met a guy not long ago who said, you know what he was in jail for? I said, no. He goes, he broke into my house. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great brush with greatness. Holy cow. And that plow, that, that, that tractor, is hanging from the roof of the Patriots Museum down at uh, Patriots Place, like the Wright Brothers <laughs> playing at the Smithsonian. Like, that was considered a great moment. Um, so with awesome. that, it's it, all the stories of, like, you know, what an amateur operation they were, how um, they went bankrupt because of Michael Jackson, which you're just going to have to read the story. It's too long for me to recount right now. Um, how uh, they drafted Irving Fryer number one overall in the entire draft. And among other things, he once crashed his car leaving the stadium at halftime. Like, he just had a particular day where he said 30 minutes of football is enough, and he's going to go home and put his feet up wow. and, uh, and slam the car into a, into a utility pole. And when they made the playoffs and a bunch of guys tore down the goalposts and were carrying them up Route 1, and the goalposts hit high tension wires and these guys got electrocuted and sued the team <laughs> and the town and won millions mm. and yeah. And it's it's stories like that, like just how many you know, just uh, how just bizarrely terrible they were and, and worse, the one thing you can't be in American society they were they were irrelevant. And, you know, like you couldn't you couldn't buy their merchandise through the Sears catalog. Like they just wouldn't include it because they no one no one cared about them and they once played a home game in Birmingham, Alabama and but there's just so many characters and, and a lot of this is oral history and and um you know, great players have played on craft teams and, and guys that I've had the privilege to meet, you know, like Brogan and um Steve Nelson and um, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a very much a love story for me for a, a franchise that like some sort of somehow attached themselves to me like a stray dog that followed me home from school, even though it had like mange and three legs and two different colored eyes and crap. I just I just learned to care about this team and thank God I did. And if you know, I I, I wrote it partly for my kids who don't realize how bad things were they think you know just you go to the championship game every year and you know lombardi trophies spring up out of the ground like stock the corn or whatever and yeah it's it's resonated well with older guys who remember a lot of it but 
Um, there's nothing more satisfying than to have kids say, I had no idea just how crazy it was. I'm like, cool. Right, that's that's part of why I wrote it for you guys. I'll have to check it out yeah. because that's like yeah. oh, my yeah. childhood. I started watching the <laughs> Pats in 83. I was five at that point. That's my start first watching. So I remember Hugh Millen and all of that. Dick McPherson. Oh, yeah. And then mm. eight, the 83 was a particularly low point, too. Uh, it was 82. Oh, yeah. They had what, what we <laughs> named the Red Sea defense because they they wore red and they parted down the middle so much that, like, a bunch of Israelites in sandals could walk right through them and, and score a touchdown. <laughs> and, um, you know, and how many times they, you know, fired coaches or had coaches quit on them when they were getting successful and, and you know, characters. They did a uh, linebacker named Steve Kiner who once, like, was on so many pills that he once froze in the middle of a play. Like, 21 guys were, like, running around in circles, and he never moved. And after the tackle and the whistle blew, like, someone came over to him and said, um, Steve, are you okay? And he said, I, I think I'd. I think I better go to the sidelines. Yeah, we yeah we 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 think you should. <laughs> wow. And, and wow. He, he also once um, stole a MBTA bus and drove it up the uh, Mass Pike with like a bunch of state troopers following him and just was running through like the toll booths and and crap. And that, okay, those Jesus. those are the pictures of my youth. Um, <laughs> And, and how they were weirdly saved, and you'll you'll have to read the book to really get the full story. Yep. But um, by a backup tight end named Zeke Moat, who pulled out his his man parts and waved them in the face of a female reporter, and as reprehensible as that was, and totally unforgivable, in a strange way, it saved the franchise. So again, you know, it take take me forever to tell the story, but it but it it's in there. Yeah, but it, they hit a low point there that. That pulled out, pulled them out of a, a complete tailspin. So, and listen, I would die before I wrote just a boring history tome, mm-hmm. like just a recitation of facts. If I couldn't make it funny, I wasn't gonna ever like open up the, you know, Microsoft Word and start typing. So, um, I like to think I I made it an entertaining way. And uh, if you don't know these stories, then by all means, you know. It, uh, I think I did them justice. I hope I did, and and you'll enjoy them. Read them to your kids; they'll want to know all oh, about good bedtime stories and, and, his, and his naughty bits. Yeah, good bedtime stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, give it a little time. There's plenty of good, you know, wholesome family entertainment in there, but uh, a lot of it is uh, just a PG thirteen. Oh, there you go. Yep. Sounds great. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking them both out. Please, uh, I pre- appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, Five Rings is, you know, obviously, you know, this, this era that they've gone through and just how they went from irrelevance, which is from Darkness the Dynasty, to hyper relevant to the point where they can't do anything without being the top story in the news, where, you know, they've been front and center. 
of football when football has taken over American culture where it's our most popular thing that we do is is the NFL and the Patriots are the absolute you know sun in the middle of that football solar system and I mean just some of it I I you know I, I we live through all of it but some of it like I didn't even recall I mean how they sort of were inadvertently involved in the creation of YouTube because they had oh. Super Bowl where Janet Jackson like pulled out her, her her nipple and a guy looked at how that from analytics how many word searches uh, internet searches were on for Janet Jackson's nipple they said what if we had a website where you could just look up videos and that was that was YouTube. Yeah. Um, when, when you realize how long they've been this good, which is completely unprecedented, um, so much so that if you look at the early parts of this dynasty, isn't it almost jarring if you look up, like, you know, the snowball game? And mm. it's in that um, low death, you know, four by three aspect ratio that has to have the bars <laughs> down the side of the screen because you're not used to it. Well, oh, yeah. Um, a friend of mine is a researcher of the book sent me a video that's, that said everything about how long they've been this good. And it was February 2002, two, after they beat the Rams. And Adam Vinatieri is on um, with Letterman. And, you know, he's, he's wearing, like, leather pants and, like, kind of a 90s, like, Huxtable sweater or whatever. And Letterman brings him up onto the roof of a building to kick footballs onto the parking garage next door. And there in the middle of like February in downtown Manhattan on the other building, trying to feel the kicks that Vinatieri was booting over there was a Manhattan businessman by the name of Donald J. Trump. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. Imagine you could go back in time to yourself during that era and say, okay, Hi, I'm from 2018. Um, Vinatieri is still going to be in the NFL. Letterman is going to be on this thing we call a streaming service on the internet. And the other guy, well, you'll just have to figure out where the other guy is going to be. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, when when Brady, the first celebrity he dated was Tara Reid. At the, yeah. at the height, oh, at the height of her powers, like post uh, American Pie, post uh, American Beauty, Tara Reid, and a time when the Patriots' biggest scandal was Brady uh, knocked up Bridget Moynihan. Mm-hmm. That and and moms were shocked about that. Like really, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, it's never happened before. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I thought he was a completely different kind of person. And then he became like the most hated man in America over a couple of pounds of per square inch in a football. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's been a crazy ass ride. And I every day I thank God that we're here for it, that we're, we might not be insiders, but we're on the front row of the outside, and it's been glorious. Yeah, well said. So, yeah, I definitely want to thank you for coming on. We definitely appreciate it. Like you said, we're fans just like you. So it's been great to chat with you for the last hour. Great. Well, I 
I much appreciate it. I'm, I'm psyched about what's to come in the next few weeks. But um, you know, I, this is this ride is has been phenomenal, and you're a crazy, you know, uh, I, I don't know, just just nihilist if you want to sit there and say I I, I determined it hereby over. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's keep the faith. And uh, you know, Steve and Chris, it's been great, and I appreciate you letting me come on and talk about something I super care about, and we'll continue to care about until the you know I'm six feet under. So, um, you know, go Pats in 2019. Let's hope it's just another year where people are saying they're over. It's over for them when it's actually not. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. All right, man. Uh, have a good rest of your night, rest of the week. There you go. Happy New Year, fellas. Thanks for having me on. You too. You. You're welcome. Um, Thank you. Wow. That was a lot of fun. Sure was. So, yeah, it's uh, just it's been great. Patriots, you know, 11 and 5, whatever. I think both of us thought they were going to have a little bit better regular season record, but as Jerry said, they still got the first round by second seed week off could be a lot worse. I know they're relatively healthy at this point of the season, you know, it'll still be good to get a week off, watch everyone else beat the crap out of each other next weekend, trying to move on where they're just kind of sitting sipping hot chocolate or whatever the heck they're going to do. Right. And there's, you know, I don't know about you, but there's not really a team out there that I sit and watch and be like, oh, I don't want any part of them. Even Kansas City. This has been a strange year in football. Yeah. Yep. And AFC or NFC, it's, you know, the Saints are good. Rams are decent. You know, in the AFC, you got Kansas City, but their defense can't stop pretty much anybody. I mean, they're a little better at home, but their defense has pretty much been a sieve most of the year. Right. Now, Pat's defense is playing pretty damn well compared to the rest of the league. And I just see them getting better. You know, you got two good corners, decent linebacking crew. Game against the Jets, Hightower actually looks freaking healthy, which is awesome. That play made in the backfield, tracking that guy down the line and tackled him for like a three-yard loss. I'm like, whoa, he's back. Right. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? No. Uh-uh. No. And, you know, and then Van Orney scoop and score. That was beautiful. You yeah. probably still need the fan, but... <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that was great. They had they had they had what two interceptions, a fumble recovery in that game. Can't ask for anything else from your defense, especially this day and age. Giving up two touchdowns total in the last eight quarters. I don't care who it is. There's no defense out there that's doing that kind of stuff. Matter if it's the Jets, the Bills, whoever. I mean, you know, Cincinnati's putting up points. So I don't care. They're playing well. Offense looked really good Sunday against them. Yeah, it's the Jets, but Brady looks pretty healthy. He was stepping into throws. He was moving around in the pocket. He actually 
was pretty mobile outside the pocket when he threw that touchdown pass. Good to see him get Dorsett and Hogan involved again. Sucks to see Josh Gordon go out like that. You know, outside of football, I hope he uh, gets the help he needs and just gets his life in order. Screw football. I mean, he's probably not going to play again. But, you know, the most important thing is to just get his life together. And the Pats, you know, they'll figure it out. Dorsett, man, they... I like the jet sweeps and stuff that they were doing Sunday. I thought that was pretty creative. It was, at least to me, that was probably McDaniel's best game plan he's had all season. And I don't think you uh, you didn't hear me once bitch about him Sunday. No, I was like in the twilight zone. I don't know <laughs> what was going on. All right. But yeah, I mean, he had a, one when it's like yep. it was a great game overall. Now they play yep. for real and. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the Pats go, there's not much we can really say. We got to wait till, you know, they're up next. Mm-hmm. Let the wild card play out. Get it back next week when we know who we're playing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it could be the Texans. They have a good defense, but I'm not scared of them. Deshaun either Watson's a the, mobile quarterback. Either going to be the te- it's simple. Them. It's either going to be the Texans, the Ravens, or the Bolts. That's it. Yeah. So. And what? The Bolts are the five seed, team. right? Bolts are the five seed? Yeah. Bolts are the five seed. So the Ravens would have to win, and the. I mean, you know, the Bolts would have to win, and the Colts, Colts. for. Yeah, the Bolts to come here. Yeah. So whatever, I mean, it'd be interesting, like, if the Bolts win and the Texans, like, I could see the Bolts going into Kansas City and beating them again. Yeah, I I can see that. The Bolts, aren't they the only team that have a a top 10 offense and defense? I think that's right. I believe so. I'm not 100 yeah. percent certain of it, but I believe yeah. I believe that's the case. So yeah, like you said, to see what happens, I'm pretty confident. I know both you and I have been kind of tooting the horn on the defense for a while, but see how it right. goes. Like you said, now is all that matters. One game at a yeah. time. One quarter at a time. Just go out, no. win the win the divisional round, and see where you go. Yep, adapt and overcome. You yep. look at the and the other thing, you know, you gotta look at this. The Patriots are playing um, third uh, on that Sunday, the thirteenth at uh, one o five. Yeah. So they're already go- they're already gonna know if they're gonna be playing to stay at home or playing to head, head to Kansas City. Right, that's and a good you, point. You have to, th- you have to think if you know Kansas City is knocked out, that's going to just be added. Oh God! You know, fuel to the fire. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, you know, hey, we I, win. We I, host. Yeah. I, right. I don't like doing like predictions. Well, I do predictions, but I don't do scores anymore. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just going to come right out and say it, and. Where the chips fall, they fall. 
No one's beating that team that Joe had. It's not going to happen. Mm-mm. Nope. I'm not going to say they're going to win the Super Bowl, but if their playoffs are at the Razors, pencil them in for the AFC uh, representative. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Just a different team. Yeah, I mean, too, and if they have to go on the road, then now or never for fixing your road issues. Yep, exactly. But you know, there's any, yeah, anybody can do it. It's Bill Brady and company. I'm excited. Right. You no, know, and you have eight coaching firings already, and our coach has been here for 19 years. And they won the division nine years in a row. Bye for the ninth time in a row. So we got it pretty damn good around here. Enjoy it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Thanks again to Jerry Thornton for coming on. Like we said, we truly enjoyed that conversation. Find him on Twitter. And check out Barstool as well if you haven't already. Check us out on Pat's Pulpit. Subscribe to the iTunes channel. Give us a review whenever you see the Pat's Pulpit stuff on Twitter. Give it a like. Give it a retweet. Where can? What's your personal Twitter, Chris? Uh, Chris underscore Blackie. Yeah, and mine's We Play for Titles. Thanks in advance for checking out this episode. See ya. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the The Shutdown Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.